Well, I so appreciate my dear friend, Dr. Bill Hackett, speaking for me last weekend. Would you give him a hand? He did an awesome, awesome job. And I was at the North Campus last Sunday morning, and then as soon as those two services were over, I hopped in the car, made a fast track for the airport, and uh, took a couple of flights getting up to uh, see my grandbabies. And some of you knew what they had told me prior to coming, where I was going to have to sleep. You may remember that. Uh, Kenley said chicken coop. Landry said chicken poop. So I didn't have to sleep in either. I got to sleep indoors, and that was really, uh, really good. Had a great time and uh, did some things I've not done in a long, long time. I've not played kitchen in a long, long time. Uh, I've not played dollies in a long, long time. I've not built castles with Legos, and I've not uh, played Candyland in a really, really long time. But I played a lot of games at Candyland, just basically did whatever those grandbabies wanted to do, because that's what pawpaws are supposed to do, right? And so uh, it was great, uh, great, went up Sunday afternoon. Have you ever had this experience? It seems like I had four different flights, you know, two getting up there, two getting back. Uh, you know, you always have to go through Atlanta. You're, you know, when the rapture happens, you got to go through Atlanta and then to heaven. You know, that's how it's going to work. And so it just seems, have you ever had like one of these days of flying where everybody not only wants to enjoy their space, but they want to enjoy your space too? And uh, you'd be so proud of me. I kept my mouth shut. I wanted to just, you know, say. I did wedge my elbows a time or two just to lay claim to my territory. It wasn't easy just to get a little space so I could breathe a little bit. And so, but it was a great, great time. Great. I uh, got back uh, Thursday evening and uh, finished uh, Friday putting the last touches on the, this talk for this brand new series that I'm extremely excited about. You know, it's football season and uh, we just thought, you know, uh, in looking at titles and possibilities there that we'd talk about a game plan for life. Every football team, uh, you know, I guess pro, uh, pro season started this past Thursday. And, uh, you know, when a, a coaches uh, get together, they have a game plan. They work out a game plan, an offensive st- strategy, a defensive strategy, special teams. But there's a game plan. They just don't walk into it and say, hey, whatever happens, happens. We don't really have a clue. We'll just sort of call it, you know, plays out of our hip pocket and hope everything. No, there's a very intentional game plan. And how do you understand the game plan? And what we're going to talk about in this series is really a game plan for life. So just before we dive in, I want to let you uh, in on something that's going to happen at the end of this talk, sort of, sort of the, the end before the beginning. I'll tell you how the fourth quarter is going to end, and just so that you know. At the end of this service, I want to give an opportunity for people to pray and to receive Jesus as the Savior and the leader of your life. And I want to do that. Uh, I know that there are people here that you would probably say, hey, I'm a um, I'm a skeptic, a little bit skeptic, you know, grew up in church, got hurt in church and promised I'd never go back to church. And here of late, I've been coming back to church, but I'm still skeptic and I'm just, you know, looking from a distance. Or maybe you just say, you know, I'm a spiritual seeker. I've got a lot of questions, wasn't raised in church and, you know, trying to understand, you know, is the Bible true? Is God real? You know, did Jesus do everything that I've heard that he's done? You know, is the Bible reliable? Things like that. And so maybe you'd say I'm a, I'm a seeker. Uh, some of you just say, hey, flat out, 
I'm, I'm agnostic and I, I don't, I don't, you know, this whole, I don't even really buy into that yet. And, you know, I want to just say you're welcome here. I hope you're here every week. It may be that you're none of those things. It may be that you're just simply a procrastinator and you know that Jesus is the son of God. You know that God created the heavens and the earth. You know that the Bible is true. It's the infallible, authoritative word of God. And you believe those things, but for whatever reason, you've procrastinated about giving your life to Jesus. And I want to just tell you, at the end of this first talk in this new series, I want to give every person here that is not yet a Christian the opportunity to pray with me a prayer that can change your life forever and forever. So um, I just never want to come into a time like this and assume that everybody here is in right relationship with God because I've been around long enough to know better. A lot of you are, but many, many of you are not yet Christians. Well, if you were to ask me as we kick off this new series today, what is the main theme? What is the main thing in this series? I would respond with a prayer that I want all of us to start praying as early as this week. You could start praying it today. In fact, in the middle of this talk, I don't want you working on your grocery list or thinking about your job tomorrow, what you've got to do at school because I want you to stay engaged. But you could start whispering this prayer even during this talk and just say, here's God what I'm wanting you to do. God, I want you to show me your will for my life. See, everybody, I think, fundamentally wants to know that. God, what is your plan? What is your game plan for my life? What is your will for my life? What is your will for my future? Now, I want you to pray that prayer throughout this series. And here's what I believe with all of my heart. If you will pray that prayer with great sincerity, God, show me your will for my life. God, what is your game plan for my life? Reveal that to me. Let me see. Let me in on that. Then I'm telling you, friend, God will make his will. God will make his plan for your life visible uh, a visible reality for you, and you'll, you'll get it, and you'll understand it. And that's why I want to just say throughout this series, don't miss a single week. This is sort of an intro message, and I'm just going to hit a few high points, but each week is going to build on the next. And next week is really important, but the week after that is even more important. I already know where we're going uh, with this. So I just want to encourage you to be here each and every week. Now, as we get started, uh, those of you that have been around church for some time, uh, maybe you've been following Jesus a long time, and you're not only familiar with a large portion of the New Testament, but you, you value and appreciate and you're quite familiar with the Old Testament, then you probably will remember that there was, uh, there was a, a mighty, turned out to be a mighty spiritual leader, this great man of God by the name of Samuel, and how that God used Samuel. What you may or may not know about Samuel, there was a time in Samuel's life when he was a very young boy that God actually speaks to Samuel and he speaks to Samuel out loud. Samuel's actually asleep and God speaks to him and does it three times, in fact. And just this, this loud voice he speaks, so much so that Samuel gets up out of bed and he walks toward the priest that was at the temple and he says, hey, what do you want? I heard you calling my name. He's like, I didn't, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And he went back to bed. This voice came, God's voice again, a second time. And he gets up again and he goes back in. And he says, hey, I heard you call my name. And he's like, Samuel, I didn't call your name. Go back. Man, you're dreaming. Uh, you know, I'm sure you had some pizza for dinner or something. You're just, you're mine. Uh, go back a third time. This time when he goes to the priest, the priest says, 
Hey, I get it. God's trying to talk to you. And here's what I want you to do. Go back, lay down. And when God speaks to you again, because God most certainly will, I want you to say, here I am, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And maybe you think, well, that would be wonderful if God would speak to me out loud, because I would imagine every person here, you want to know God's game plan for your life. You want to know God's will for your life. And, and you're like thinking, if God would just speak it out loud, that would make it so much easier. It would clear up any misinformation. It would provide clarity for me. There'd be no more lingering questions. You know, if God could just speak to me out loud, that would make it so much better. And yet there's this other side that if you would really pause and think about it, you'd say, well, uh, you know, I'm not sure that I really want God to speak to me out loud. In fact, if you just happen to be sitting at your desk or driving your car or in the classroom or uh, wherever you're at and God spoke to you in a loud voice, if God himself spoke to us in this audible, powerful voice, I I think really for most of us, it would be more than we could handle. I really do. We say, wow, that'd be great. But then there's this other side says, wow, you know, that would probably, if God were to do that, that would probably trip our mental and emotional breakers and we'd be like, what has just happened? Besides that, it would, it would leave. If God spoke to us in an audible, out loud, powerful kind of voice, here's another thing that it would do. It would leave zero doubt concerning God's game plan for our life. And, and I just want to let you in on a little secret right here, right now. Not everybody really wants to know God's plan and God's will. I believe you do. I really do. I hope you do. I hope you want to know God's plan for your life, but not everybody does. And the reason why not every person wants to know God's plan, God's game plan for their life, God's will for their life is because it may interrupt their own plan and their own will and what they want to happen. And if God were to speak in this loud voice, it would give zero doubt and they'd be like, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm either going to have to fulfill what I know God wants me to do or I'm going to fulfill my own will like I've been doing to this point. Now, I mentioned, I mentioned Samuel, and I know what some of you may think. Well, hey, Jeff, I'm up in years now, and you're talking about God speaking to, to a little boy by the name of Samuel, and God's going to reveal his plan, his will for Samuel's life. And, and you may be thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm way, 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 way past the age of Samuel, and you know, I'm probably too old for God to reveal his will for my life. And I want to assure you before I go any further in this talk that it is not too late for you to seek God's plan for your life. And I'll I'll tell you why. I want to talk about that for just a moment. And the reason why I mention this is because your life is, when you think about it, I mean, we're just, this is sort of foundational and we're going to build each week from this. But when you look at your life, your life to this point is actually the sum total of decisions that you have made. Or we might would even say decisions that have been made that have evolved you. All right. Let me say that again. All right. Your life to this point is actually the sum total of decisions that you have made. Or again, it could be decisions that have been made. But primarily it's decisions that you have made. And you may be thinking about your life right now. Well, I, don't, I don't like my life. Now, there may, may have been things that were just totally outside of your realm of being able to control or make decisions about. And, you know, you, you would have changed it. But for the most part, the reason why your life is the way your life is right now is on the basis of decisions that you have made. And some of you, you'd be saying, hey, the vast majority of the decisions that I've made in the past that have brought me to this stage in my life where I'm at right now, because again, life is basically the sum total of decisions that we have made. You may would look back and say, well, you know, if I had to make those decisions all over again concerning my life, 
I would, for the most part, not everything, but for the most part, I would make those same exact decisions today. Others of you would say, wow, you know, if I had a chance to go back and have a redo, a mulligan, and, and you know, just start it all over again, then there's so many decisions in my life that I made that I would not make today. And the reason I mention this is, again, because you may be sitting back and you're saying, well, I'm not young Samuel, and, you know, I'm not a student, and I'm not a young adult, and I'm not a young family, and, you know, you may say, well, I'm at a point, I don't, you know, God's will has already been revealed to my life. But, again, if you believe, which I firmly do, that our life is the sum total of decisions that we have made or decisions that have been made about us, then the reality is you are not through making decisions. As long as you have breath and as long as you have your mental faculties about you, you're going to be making decisions. So quite honestly, you may not like where you're at right now. You may not like your, where your decisions have landed you at. And you may say, well, hey, you know what? I want to make God honoring, God, God-led decisions. You're not through making decisions yet. And so what your life may be right now, you may say, well, I'd like for some changes to happen. I want to know God's will. I want to know God's plan for my life because where you're at right now is not necessarily where you're going to be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, at the end of your life. So no matter what your age, I guess I'm trying to say, whether you're young, whether you're a high schooler, whether you're in college, whether you're a young family, middle aged, a senior adult, it's never too late to pray that prayer. God, show me your will for my life. God, what do you want me to do? And God will reveal that to you. God will show you. Now, I want to mention another reality, and then we're going to jump right in and cover some things before we're done this morning. Again, this is sort of an intro talk to get us in the middle of this uh, game plan series. Here's a reality that needs our attention right on the front end, and, and it is this. If you were to go from cover to cover in the Bible, if you were to open your Bible and start this week in Genesis 1, Genesis 1-1, and you were to read through all the Old Testament, all the New Testament, uh, get over to Revelation, read through chapter 22, I think, I'm not sure that the last verse of chapter 22, I think there's 18 verses in Revelation 22, you can correct me after the service if I'm wrong, but uh, if you were to read from cover to cover, and then you were to say, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to highlight any phrase that happens to say anything like the will of God, or the will of the Almighty, or, or God's will, just from cover to cover, any place like that, I'm going to highlight, if you were to do that and then you were to take it, then here's what would happen. You were to just sort of put all of them together. They would fall, among all these verses, they would fall neatly into one of these three categories concerning the will of God, the will of the Almighty, God's will. They would fall into, and it's what I'm going to touch on this morning, they would fall into, uh, firstly, the providential will of God, we'll just call it that, the providential will of God. We're going to talk about that for just a moment. Secondly, the moral will of God. And thirdly, the personal will of God. Let me say that again. You collect all these verses, Genesis, Revelation, anything to do with the will of God, put them together. You could put them. You just headings and uh, this is providential will of God, this moral will of God, this personal will of God. And all of them would fall into for the most part, without exception, into one of those three categories. Now, providential will of God, we're going to talk about that. I'll hit briefly on the moral will of God. Now, in the balance of our series, I'm going to be talking more about the personal will of God. I'm just going to touch on it here today. But uh, that's the one that we are most, I mean, if we really admit it, 
that's the one that we're most interested in. Uh, I see the providential will of God. You're like, uh, uh, moral will of God. Uh, I don't really want to go there right now. The person, yeah, that's that's what I what I want to hear. I want to, you know, should I take that job? Should I buy that house? Should I go to that school? Should I ask that girl out for a date? You know, and the personal will of God. You're you're like, all right, this this is where I want to know. But this is so important. I want you to get this. It's why I wanted to mention it again in just this intro talk. If, and follow me here. You got to really understand this. The more you understand, track with me on this, the providential will of God, and the more you understand the moral will of God, it's going to help you to more easily discern and discover their personal will of God for your life. Are you with me on that? Wave at me if you're with me. All right? If you, if you get a grip on the providential will of God, and you understand the moral will of God, it's going to help you in just such a huge capacity to be able to understand, to be able to discern the personal will of God for your own life. But I want to take a few moments, and I want to touch on, on these three uh, categories. Uh, I'll spend more time on the first one, uh, and then the third one, the personal will of God. We're going to be talking about that throughout the series. But let me take a moment, and I think it's really important to sort of theologically, and you're saying, uh-oh, you know, I I don't want to get into a bunch of theology. Well, you may not know that you need to, but you really do need to. And so I want to give you sort of the theological nuance of the providential will of God. And I'll give it to you in a way that I think will make a whole lot of sense to you. And I think maybe the most simple way to describe the providential will of God is simply like this. Here it is. You ready? It's it's real simple. It's majorly simple. God is God, and God can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. The providential will of God. God is God and God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do. And here's an analogy that will help you to understand it. All right. Uh, Growing up, uh, you may say, hey, you know, all of your family gathered in the living room and you're like, hey, I want to watch this. And hey, I like this show and I like that. And, and your dad would sit there and listen for a while. All right. He'd listen. But then finally, after he had heard enough, he'd say, give me the remote. All right. Give me the remote. We're watching ESPN. All right. So it's his choice. You can't do anything about it. You can register what you want. But at the end of the day, dad's like, give me the remote. You know, we're going to watch what I want to watch. And the providential will of God. Now, um, you know, you may hear that and you may say, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I like that notion of thought that God is God and God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And I don't, I don't really like that. Now, I say this respectfully and I say this kindly, but I want to quote my Uncle Bill, who is known for this statement since I was a young boy. This is one of his favorite phrases, and I'll introduce it to you. All right, here it is. Big deal. Big deal. That's what, you know, and he'd say it lovingly. He wasn't smart aleck. He wasn't arrogant about it, but something to be saying, and he'd be like, big deal. I can remember, you know, when Facebook was really uh, getting out, and he was getting familiar with it, which was surprising to me that my Uncle Bill would have any interest in Facebook. And I can remember a relative went on Facebook and just wanted to alert everybody to the fact that they were going to get a haircut. Hey, put on Facebook. I'm going to get a haircut right now. And then you look, and my uncle's response was, big deal. Like, big deal. Who really cares you're going to get a haircut, all right? So that's, and so you may say, well, I, I don't like that God can just do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, you know, and I can't do anything about that. Big deal. You know, it's been that way. And here's just a few examples of this from the Bible. 
So, and I'll just hit upon a few, and we could go on and on, but I need to keep this thing moving this morning. So here, here's something that God says. God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this guy. You've read about him if you read the Old Testament. I'm going to take this guy by the name of Abraham, and he's going to be the father of a great nation. And his descendants are going to be more than the sand on the seashores all over the world, and I'm going to raise up Abraham. That's what I'm going to do because I'm God, and if I choose to raise up Abraham to be the father of a great nation, I can do that. And listen, there's nothing you can do to stop that. God's going to do that because God is God. And then God says, hey, furthermore, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose the nation of Israel, and they're going to be my representative uh, representative nation throughout the world. Again, you can't do anything. That's the providential will of God. Uh, you know, you could be a nation over here and say, well, I don't want it to be Israel. I want it to be me. And God's like, I'm, I'm God. You know, I'm holding the remote. I can do what I want to do. And so I choose that I'm going to make Israel my special chosen people, my representation in the world. And then God says, you know, furthermore, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to bring forth from Israel the Messiah. I'm going to bring out of Israel the Messiah. And Jesus is going to have his birth and he's going to have his life and he's going to have his teachings and he's going to have his death. And you know what? The fact of the matter is you can't do anything about that because God is God. And again, God is holding the remote. And Jesus is like, you know what I'm going to do? And Jesus just picks up. He said, I'm going to build my church. You know what else Jesus said on the hills of that? When he said, I'm going to build my church. And he says what? And the gates of hell shall what? not prevail against it. And you know what? People have tried throughout the ages to stop the church and stop Christianity. I'll touch on that in just a moment. But God is God and Jesus is Jesus. And that's the providential will of God. How about this one? Do you remember reading where Pharaoh says to Moses, you're not leaving Egypt. You, no way, no how. You know, you're, you're, too, you're too important. Your people are too important to the economy of our nation. We go into economic collapse if all the Israelites flee and you're no longer doing the work that you've been doing. No, no way, no how. How many of you know that was a big mistake? Oh, that's a huge mistake because you can't tell God what God is and is not going to do. God says to Moses, you're not going to leave, and that's a big mistake. Saul of Tarsus, you remember Saul of Tarsus? We read about him early in the New Testament. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring this church thing to an end. I'm going to persecute believers, men and women. I'm going to have them locked up in, the, you know, in prison. He stood there holding the garments of those who stoned Stephen. He said, I don't, I don't like this. And he was real uh, resilient and he was real passionate about his cause. And he said, this church thing is going to end with me. And how many of you know you cannot get in the way of God's plan when God has a providential will? And so what happened? Saul of Tarsus actually becomes the great apostle Paul. And he writes over half the New Testament. And you know what, friends? God is God. And God can do what he wants whenever he wants because God is holding the remote at the end of the day. And it's not just in the Bible. There have certainly been others. I mean, Nero, if you've ever studied him in, in history, he said, I hate Christians. I hate all Christians. And so I am going to blame the fiery destruction of Rome upon all the Christians. And we're going to get rid of all the Christians once and for all. And that's what's going to happen. And that, that didn't work out for him. And long came, years and years later, uh, this guy, this man-man by the name of Hitler, and he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to rid all the earth of all of the Jews. And that's a 
really, really bad decision on Hitler's part. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to get rid of all the Jews, and there's not going to be Jews, and there's not going to be... And, and that didn't work out. And Stalin and the Soviet Union, and Stalin just says, hey, we're going to get rid of God, and we're all going to become atheists, and everybody's going to join us in atheism. And that didn't work out. And today people are saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to persecute Christians, and we're going to persecute them so violently and so globally that this is what it's going to do. It is going to stop once and for all the spread of Christianity. And I'm just telling you, friends, you and I have to understand this. God is holding the remote, and the providential will of God is you can't stop something that God really wants to happen. You cannot stop it. You can't bring it to an end. It's not going to happen. The providential will of God. I am God. I can do, God says, and I will do whatever I choose to do. All right? I need to keep moving. Secondly, and I'm just going to spend a moment here, the moral will of God, the providential will of God, the moral will of God. The moral will of God is quite easy to sort out. And I'll just give you this so brief and so simple. The moral will of God are all those things that are found in the Bible where God says, you know what? This is what I want you to do, and this is what I want you to not do. The moral will of God. You can see that. God says, you know what? I really want to bless your life. You see, God is saying this to you and to me. There are certain things that I want you to do, and when you do those things, life is going to be so much more peaceful for you. And again, we can say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, you're, if you just say, I'm going to do what I want to do, all right? Forget the providential will of God. I've got a free will. I'm going to do what I, I, I want to do. You're not going to be the first person that's ever said or done that. But I'm just telling you, if you and I just say, well, I'm going to do what I want, you're going to miss out on the life that God intended for you. It's because when you and I do what God wants us to do, our life is so much more peaceful and joyful and liberating and satisfying. And a lot of times we think, well, you know, if I just do what God wants me to do and I don't like follow his plan and his game plan and his will and it's going to cramp my style and I don't like it and, you know, it's going to be suffocating to me and restrictive to me. fact of the matter is it's going to do just the opposite. That's what you think, but it's going to do just the opposite. It's going to liberate you and it's going to satisfy you. It's going to fulfill you and you're going to have a much more peaceful, joyful life if you and I do the moral will of God, the things in the Bible that God says I want you to do. Now, the flip side of that is also true. If God says, here, here are things I don't want you to do. Here are the things I don't want you to do. And we say, well, God, I'm going to do them anyhow. And we go forward and we just say, hey, it's my life. I'll do what I want. You know, forget God and forget his plan. I want my plan. Forget his will. I want my will. And then the fact of the matter is we may think that's going to be wonderful and great and all lovely and everything's going to turn out wonderful. But the fact of the matter is what's going to happen is you're going to find some growing guilt in your life. And if you have a conscience at all, which I know that you do, you're going you're gonna to feel shame and you're going to feel unsettled, unrest. Uh, you're going to have, you're going to deal with discouragement and you're going to deal with frustration and turmoil, sort of this inner turmoil. And, and the moral will of God is simply this. The things in the Bible, the moral will of God is re, re, revealed to us in the Bible. God says, I want you to do this and we do that. We fulfill the moral will of God. I don't want you to do that. And we say, okay, all right, God, I get, you're smarter than I am. You know, you you created me and everything around me, above me, underneath me. You created all. Obviously, you're much wiser than I. I don't even understand it all the time. But God, yeah, if you're saying you don't want me to do that, I'm not going to do that. That's fulfilling the moral will of God. Now, thirdly, finally, the personal will of God. God's personal will for your life and mine is always found within the arena. Catch this now. I mentioned it a moment ago. 
And we're going to build on this. Not, we're not really coming back to the providential, moral will of God. I just wanted you to understand that in the framework of how this plays out. But in the personal will of God, it is, always has, and you've got to see this, it always has its functionality within the arena of God's providential will and God's moral will. That's why it's so important. In fact, let me say it this way. It is why it is so important. If you're a parent or grandparent, it is why it's so important for you to get or keep your kids in church. I know that sometimes you wonder, you know, we've got a lot of kids down there at the other end of the theater down there, students, you know, from the babies up through middle school, up through ninth grade. And you may think, all right, while I'm in here in like big church, they're down there and they're babysitting and and it's all fun. It's all games. But I'm telling you from the earliest of ages, their ability to, they are teaching, they're walking them through truths and stories of the Bible. And that's so important because as your kids or your grandkids grow older, then you know what? They're going to help to it's going to help them to better understand because of what you're doing at home and what's going to be met at church, you know, what we're teaching them down in the curriculum that we're walking through them through so they can understand God and Jesus and the Bible and heaven. And so, you know, it's going to help them to understand the will of God for their life. And that's why, you know, if, you've, if, if you're a parent and your kids aren't coming to church and they have kids and, you know, I, I, I know you can't make them be here, but just do whatever you can because it's important for them to be here, but it's even more important that their kids get what they're, they need because they're growing up in a world that's going to be so much more different than ours. And, uh, man, I think about that. And, you know, I spend, I've got three grandkids. Uh, you probably didn't know that. But I've got three grandkids, Kaylin, just spent time with them. And I had one day where I got to babysit them all by myself. A four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a ten-month-old. And I'm telling you, that's, that's, a, that's an experience. And I, it's been a while ch- since I've changed a dirty diaper. But, uh, but uh, Brody presented me with one that he saved up for at least six months. And I'm like, oh, help me, Jesus, please. You know, God intervene. If you can do whatever you could do, then make this diaper disappear. So on Thursday, I'm getting ready to, to go. And I'm, 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 you know, call me weak, call me too soft or whatever. But I'm already feeling really emotional. I'm, I have times I can't even, like, really talk because I hear my own voice crack because I'm already packed up. I'm ready to go. And I see Landry. She goes off to preschool, and she, she's got this little Wonder Woman outfit on, and she's just walking out the door. And she's like, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, and then, you know, I sit out there on the front porch swing with Kenley, and she's four, and I can't believe she's going to be five in a couple of weeks. And, and uh, she's waiting for a school bus to come and pick her up, and, and she's in my lap, and here comes the bus down the road, and she gives me a big old hug and a big old kiss. And then I watch her walk down the front sidewalk, and she gets on the bus, gets settled, settled in, and I'm sitting up here, and she looks over, and she waves like this. And when that bus pulls, I'm just, I'm like a baby. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Brody. I'm doing this right here. And the reality is, you know, your kids and your grandkids are stepping out into a much different world than the world that you and I, you know, went to school in. And I'm so glad. You know what? I'm so, I, I wish my grandkids were in this church. This, you talk about God's plan. It's God's plan. My grandkids be in this church. But that's hard for them to make it back and forth, Bloomington, Illinois. It's a long commute every week. But I'm glad they're in church every week. And because uh, I want my grandkids to grow up to know about God and about Jesus and about the Bible. I want them to be able to know and fulfill God's plan for their life. 
And I, I don't only want that for my grandkids. I want it for your kids, and I want it for your grandkids. And I'm just saying, don't be pacifistic as it relates to, hey, you know, I'm just going to leave my kids and grandkids, all that uh, alone. You know, you've got you to be more active, activistic than that. Well, how do you and I understand the will of God? As adults, uh, the more that we read God's word, I know this sounds so old school, so repetitive, but the more that you and I read God's word, the clearer that God's will for our life is going to become uh, you know, discernible for us. Because you're going to have to make a decision. Listen, this is going to happen to all of us. You're going to have to make a decision, and then you're getting ready to make a decision, and you're like, oh, oh wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute. That one's already covered. I read about that in the Bible. I know what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Uh, you got a choice you got to make, and you're like, hey, you know, I know, I know. I, I don't even have to pray about that. I know I need to avoid that because the Bible tells me I need to avoid that. I remember reading. You may say that one day. I've memorized a lot of Scripture. I can't tell you where it all is, but I can tell you this. In moments when I need God's Scripture, it comes back to my mind. Verses that I've memorized over the year and able to quote those in the moment when I need the most and say, hey, I remember reading that, and it helps me make a decision when I need to make a decision. When you understand the Bible, it helps you to understand which choice is going to most please and honor God. And certainly we're going to speak to God's game plan for our life each week in this series. And it's so important, as I mentioned to you, that you're here, that you're here. If you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to know God's game plan for your life, we're going to talk, we're going to build something together over the next four weeks. And I think it's going to be helpful to you. But I want to go ahead and wrap up today the way that I mentioned that we just sort of close out the fourth quarter of this talk, this intro talk. We're going to end it this way. When you and I, as I've mentioned now a couple of times already, at least twice, when you know God's providential will and his moral will, then you're able to better discern God's personal will for your life. And I'm going to show you a major example of this right now. Now, in that story, it won't take me very long, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to be out of here. But there was this time, and the scriptures talk about it, when people are saying, hey, we hear about Jesus is coming back, and it's not happening. And some of you, maybe, you were like me, you grew up, and it was, hey, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. And you're like, okay, you know, but you're like, hey, that's, that's wow, you know, I heard it, and all these years I've heard it. And, and so there was a little bit of a similar discussion that happened. I want you to see this on the screen. Guys are going to put it up here. Look at these verses, 2 Peter 3, 4, and 5. They will say... Where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died. In other words, for a long time. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. It's always been this way. Day after day, nothing's changed. It's always been this way. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Now keep this in mind. And it's like people are saying, maybe you've thought it before, I've heard it all my life, and yet day after day, you know, it's Jesus really come. Now look at these next couple of verses. Look at verses 6 and 7. By these waters, because that was just referenced in verse 5. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Now how many of you know what that's pointing back to? Noah, right? Earth is destroyed by water. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You know what the Bible is saying? I don't have time to talk about it, right? But what the Bible is saying, all right, just as the, wor- uh, the world was destroyed by water a long, long time ago, in the future, the world is not going to be destroyed by water. You know, God promised I'm never going to do that again. I'll put a rainbow in the sky, and, and that's not going to happen. But the world will be destroyed one day, 
by fire, the day of judgment, destruction of ungodly people. Look at this next verse, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God's got the remote. God's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Last verse, verse 9, and then we're going to pray. The Lord is not what? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's not slow, but he is. What's that word? Patient. God's not what? He's not slow, but he is patient. It's not that God's forgotten that he's coming back again. God's just patient. Why is he patient? Because he doesn't want anybody to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What does repentance mean? It means to change teams. It means to change your mind about something. And that's what God wants to happen. See, the Lord is not slow, but he's patient. What is God's will for your life and mine? That we would repent. That's God's will. If you've not done that, that's God's will for your life. To repent and to believe. That's God's will. And you say, well, I'd like to know a little bit more about God's will. Well, that's great. You keep coming by next week, the week. But I'm just telling you, this big example of God's will. God's will is that you would repent. The Bible reveals that. Because God doesn't want you to be destroyed in the end. Ah, I don't believe all that stuff. Been here in all my life. Yeah. God hasn't forgotten. He's not slow. He's just patient. Because he's given you this time to get right with him. Would you stand with me? Everybody bow their head and close your eyes. We're out of time. If you're just saying, no matter who you are, seeker, skeptic, maybe you've considered yourself up to this point somewhat agnostic. Maybe as I mentioned earlier, you're just a procrastinator. You're just thinking that hanging out in church is good enough. Good enough. And that's, that's all I need to do. I just need to come to church and that's good enough. <clears throat> that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you have to be born again. Nicodemus said, what do I have to do? Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You've got to give your life. You've got to pray. You've got to receive. And I want you to repent. I want you to change teams. And I want you to believe. If you're here today and you just say, you know, Jeff, I've not done that yet. I've, I've not changed teams. I've not changed my mind. I'm still pursuing my will, my plan. But I need to get over on God's plan and God's will for my life. And I want to receive Jesus into my life right here, right now. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer right there where you're standing. But I want you to do this. Lift your hand real high. Give me a moment to see it. See it. And then you can put it right back down. Just lift it real high. And keep it up. Put it up. Let me see it. Right here. Right here. Right here. I'm looking around right back there. I'm just looking around. Anybody else? Looking around the front. Looking up toward the back. All right. See it. See it. All right. Would you pray this prayer? In fact, can all of us pray this prayer together out loud? It will help those who are praying it for the first time. Will you pray it with me? Dear Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I want to repent. I need my mind to be changed. I want to change teams. I want your will. I want your plan for my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. Receive me into your family. I receive you into my heart. Now receive me by grace. I need your help. And with your help, I will live for you all my life in Jesus' name. Everybody say, can we give him one more hand clap of praise? I love you, everybody. Have a wonderful day. And whatever you do, do not miss next Sunday. I promise you, you'll want to be here. Love you.